Hey y'all, welcome to the Appalachian Overlook, a metaphorical ride up these winding mountain roads where we explore topics and questions about what it means to live a good life in Appalachia. My name is Sarah Saavedra and I'll be your host in these conversations, airing here on 90.7 WEHC, the voice of Southwest Virginia, and also available wherever you listen to podcasts. This week, we're talking about my favorite thing, lists, to-do lists, what you might be doing wrong, and strategies to get it right. So thanks for joining me on the Appalachian Overlook. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the episode this week. I thought uh, today I'd tackle the seemingly simple act of creating to-do lists. I talk a lot about how much I love a list, and you know there are plenty of scientific explanations as to why. And although writing down a list can seem like such an easy thing to do, there are some great strategies to making your to-do list more effective. To-do lists can be such emotional little things, right? We judge our productivity by them and in turn our worth by our productivity. We can approach to-do lists without a strategy and then we often find ourselves overwhelmed and as a result, we become less productive and more apt to procrastinate really the opposite of why we would want to write a list in the first place. I'd argue that to-do list skills are an essential habit to learn and should even be taught in schools. But I digress. Let's get down to the psychology of the list, common mistakes when it comes to making them, and smart strategies to help you find your list-making groove. So let's start with the psychology of the to-do list, right? Many have deemed the to-do list as an essential productivity tool. They are said to aid focus, calm anxiety, give us a structure, and show us proof of our accomplishments. But how does this all work in our brain? It always helps me to investigate the science behind the why, and it always helps to motivate me. So our brain is obsessed with creating order. The most pressing tasks clutter our mind and can make us crazy in the meantime. So when we get into the psychology of it, we have several things to look at. One thing I found really fascinating was the Zygernik effect. So this is from a Russian psychologist, and it is one of the first to note this obsession, right, with the tasks that are left in our minds. Um, So the effect is a psychological phenomenon describing a tendency to remember interrupted or incomplete tasks or events more easily than tasks that have been completed. This is a lot like, imagine if you've ever been a waiter or waitress and serve, you know, serving tables, you'll kind of understand this effect, right? So you take your customer's order, either you write it down or maybe it's a mental note in your head if they had special requests, you can remember that really easily. But the moment that that food is delivered, it's out of your head. It's very hard to recall what food they ordered, what dish they ordered, even if they had extra stuff. So that is that effect uh, in the real world. We see that those tasks that we have on our mind that we need to do, they stay on our mind. They're much easier to recall than when the task has been done. It frees our brain of a lot of that processing power. It's the the way our brains work. The, The minute it's done, it's often on the back burner and we totally forget about it. Another study out of Wake Forest showed that while tasks we haven't done distract us, just making a plan to get them done can free us from the anxiety, which in turn can make us more productive, of course. 
It's important to note that these effects are shown when you actually make a plan and divide your task into sub-goals with specific plans. It's not enough to just jot it down, right? So although there is a time and a place for that too, we'll cover that in the effective strategies portion of this episode, but we all have to-do lists running in the background of our mind. When we fail to write them down, they just keep replaying, taking up valuable processing power. Like a computer with too many tabs open at once. I'm guilty. I'm that person with like 40 tabs open on my computer right now, (laughs) but it eats up a lot of memory and it will slow down other programs. Think of writing down your to-do list like downloading your thoughts to an external hard drive to clear up your mental hard drive. I think we all want to clear our mind of (laughs) as much clutter as we can, right? Um, According to McGill University neuroscience professor Daniel Levitin, who is also the author of The Organized Mind, most people can only hold about four things in their mind at a time. Since we all have way more than four things to do a day, list making takes the mental juggling out of the picture and allows you to focus on one task at a time. Okay, so one task at a time is really important to note here because multitasking is a myth, right? Multiple studies have confirmed that multitasking just doesn't exist and splitting your attention between multiple tasks at once actually leads to doing less, doing it less effectively and getting more stressed out as a result. So if you want to hack your life to be more productive, less stressed and more effective reaching your goals, you got to start making those lists. So why is it that something that seems so simple, right? Writing down a list, it seems so simple, but sometimes it just stops us in our tracks and it keeps us stuck. Well, there are a lot of common mistakes with making to-do lists that, that really do keep us stuck instead of helping us. The truth is that there are two types of people, those who make lists and those who don't, right? Some people are utterly repelled by the thought of making a list. I suspect those folks stopped listening to this episode a long time ago, but let's dig into how not to do lists and why. All right. So the first common mistake I want to talk about is putting too many items on your list. This is a mistake because it's instantly demotivating and can send you into a tailspin. The goal of a to-do list is to provide clarity and focus. This becomes an impossible task when we write down way more on our list than we could ever manage to get done in one day. So the tip here is working off of a shorter to-do list. Start off limiting yourself to the three most important things you need to get done today. The more you finish these tasks, the better you'll feel about your to-do list overall and the more likely that those positive feelings can fuel you going forward, right? So just start with three a day and work up to making more complex lists, more lists with bigger goals, taking those, we'll get into that in a minute, but taking those and breaking them down into one actionable item that you can do per day, doing just three of those per day, you'll feel so good when you are able to check those lists off. There are studies that say when you Uh, check off a task off your list you actually get a hit of dopamine so for dopamine junkies out there like me uh, that's really great to know and so just making sure that that list is manageable and helpful to you is actually going to increase the likelihood that you'll keep up with your to-do lists 
We all know, you know, the inclination here, right? We just heard the psychology of how your brain gets cluttered and you want to get that stuff out of your brain. So yes, it's important. I do a brain dump list and that's my first list at the beginning of every, every week. I just write down everything that's on my mind that I know I need to get done. You know, those things that wake you up in the morning, that keep you up at night, the things that you think of in the middle of nowhere, you know, that just pop into your head. Write all of those things out in a brain dump list. But then from there, when you're writing down your list of things to do for that day, choose three. Choose three actionable items that you know that you can accomplish that day and then move forward with them. It's so important to be successful at checking things off of your list in order to make this list making thing a habit that propels you forward and that motivates you. So the second common mistake I would write here is writing down ambiguous tasks, right? So just writing down respond to emails might not be enough to cut the brain clutter. Ambiguous list items can make you feel like you are still having to remember things that aren't on your list. That's hard work for your brain uh, and definitely doesn't provide the relief you're looking for on a list. Instead of writing, and this is an example from one of my list, Instead of writing podcast, right, on to-do, I'll break that ambiguous task into actionable items like research topic of podcast for one hour, outline podcast topic, record podcast, submit and upload podcast, create social media graphic for podcast, right? So all of those little actionable items took that big ambiguous one and put them into verb form, right? We had research, outline, record, submit, create. Those were all started with verbs, right? So you know that if you're wondering if you have an ambiguous item or an actionable item, look at your wording. Is it a verb or is it just a noun? Quantifying your tasks this way helps you to connect tasks with goals, right? These should be measurable tasks that could be done in a single time block with a clearly defined endpoint. Furthermore, these small wins are progress points on your way to your main goal and will increase your motivation to snowball these small wins into full-blown habits and accomplishments. Break projects down into smaller tasks that will take two hours or less. It's really important to remember that here. Anything longer than two hours should absolutely be broken down into smaller tasks. So here's my tip here for this one. We just talked about how I write a brain dump list at the beginning of each week just to get those things off of my mind. But from there, I choose three or four priorities for the work week, right? So these are big priorities uh, before I get down to the small tasks. So from that big list, I'll choose three or four priorities for the entire week, and then those priorities inform my daily tasks, right? So it may be finish up client website, or it may be learn a new skill, right? Like a a course that I've signed up for that I want to learn a new thing with, right? So if that's my priority for the week, it's a big block that I have separately on my list that shows my priorities. And then every day I break down from there actionable items. I schedule those for the week and determine which tasks will be most likely to get done based on scheduled meetings, errands, appointments, and other commitments that I might have that week. So if the priority is to learn a new skill, on Monday I might say watch the first 
two modules of the lesson that I've got and then Wednesday it may be to finish up a project uh, based on that you know lots of things you can apply here uh, instead of just putting study you could put read page 1 through 50 of whatever textbook um, if it is a big project you find the, the tasks that take less than two hours here remember and then divide them up so I like to go from brain dump to weekly priorities and then to manageable daily tasks alright so I think it's going to be a great time now to take a pause digest a little bit of that to-do list strategy stuff and listen to some music this week is a song I've been playing on repeat it's You Was Born to Die, which is a cover of an old blind Willie McTell song, who is one of the greatest blues guitarists of our time. He was uh, 1901 to 1959. But this is a version by Adia Victoria, who is kind of new on the scene. Her debut album, A Southern Gothic. And this song features Margot Price, Jason Isbell, Kaishona, and it is just great. So take a listen. This is the song You Was Born to Die. Don't want no woman that run around Stay out in the street, I like a bad foot clown You made me love you, had you made me cry You should remember Victoria, her song You Was Born to Die, which of course is a cover from Old Blind Willie. 
there on her new album, A Southern Gothic. Love it. You're listening to the Appalachian Overlook here on 90.7 WEHC, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Or maybe you're listening on a podcast app, but either way, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. We're talking about to-do lists. We're talking about making lists, how to make them more effectively, what common mistakes keep us from making lists and organizing our brain and trying to hack that. So we are on common mistake number three. And this one is kind of weird, so stick with me. It's uh, mixing lists, right? We've talked about the brain dump and putting down all the things you need to do and how important that is to help our brain to stay uncluttered. But related to the dreaded too long list is the mistake of mixing lists, right? If you combine work tasks with home life tasks like cleaning the garage, it can feel really overwhelming. So I have separate lists for several things. I have a lot of lists. You guys have t- <laughs> told you how much I like lists. So let's let's look at what I have. I have a family schedule and like errands list um, that we write out every week at a family meeting. I have a menu plan that I do every Saturday night uh, for the upcoming week for starting Sunday night dinners. I have a chore list for the kids, a chore list for me. I have a list for volunteer commitments, and these lists um, live in different places. So volunteer commitments, I have a dedicated uh, notebook just for that. I have a dedicated notebook for podcast notes and uh, ideas as they come to me. And then, of course, I have another work task notebook, and that's for notes and all the things that come to me, kind of those brain dump things um, for things for work. And from these lists, I make my daily schedule of to-dos by time blocks, right? So I don't necessarily schedule these like from 10 to 12, I will complete task A, but I do look realistically at the day's schedule, right? And if I have two meetings scheduled for that day, I may prefer to get errands done between those meetings instead of trying to complete a more complex task that requires all of my focus. So if we go back here to having multiple lists instead of mixing lists, really I do mix a list eventually. So all of those lists live in my daily schedule of to-dos, right? I I actually use a bullet journal, which is essentially just a blank gridded out um, hardbound journal that I create, you know, I draw on a calendar every month, I draw on my weekly schedule every month, I draw in a habit tracker every month. And so I like to, I prefer that way instead of a pre-printed planner, just because I'm one of those people that really hates a blank day. And so if I'm on vacation, I will put it in my calendar that I'm on vacation, but I will not have necessarily a daily to-do list um, there unless it's necessary, right? Like unless it's something I need to do on vacation, but rarely do I make that list into, it doesn't make it into the bullet journal. So whatever works for you, uh, there may be a printed planner that you just love that checks all of your boxes um, if that's for you, great, buy it, do it, whatever it takes. Um, for me, I hate seeing blank things. So if there's something in a, um, a planner that I don't normally do, I'm not even sure what, maybe vision planning or something like that that I prefer to do in a different way, I hate seeing it empty. And so <laughs> with a printed planner, I'll, you know, I'll write something in there anyways, but it really doesn't affect my strategy or how I work through my day and so I hate that so I just make my own so although every month when I'm drawing out that calendar with a ruler on my bullet journal I think there's got to be an easier way to do this but 
that's neither here or there. So whatever works for you. But um, for me, having those different lists that I can, you know, really get in the mode of what needs to be done with the house. I can really get in the mode of what needs to be followed up with for the kids. I can get really in the mode of what learning I might need to do this week and in the mode of uh, projects that need to be finished. I like to focus on each one of those lists separately and then to take them and download them basically into daily tasks to get all of those done. So for me that really helps not to be overwhelmed and to block it out like that. So I also put a list of daily habits to refer to right next to my weekly um, priorities and that helps me to check those off between tasks, right? So if I've got a few minutes in between tasks and I want to get up and stretch my legs, if it's something that takes 10 minutes or less, these are good things to have on that list. So like taking my vitamins or doing a quick chore um, that doesn't take much time. These are good things to break up my to-do list. I'm sure they would be good for you. It's a great strategy to, you've checked one thing off your list, you're feeling good, you've got that dopamine hit about that. You could do another thing that's a self habit, that self-care habit maybe that you wanted to do, walking, stretching, anything like that for 10 minutes and then going back to your to-do list. So, but having a list here aids uh, and focus on my long-term goals of habit building without being overwhelming or too rigid. So here's the tip here. Consider a vision list, a list of books you want to read, a I got this done list, or even a one at a time list, right, that you pull from. A master list, a weekly project list, a high impact list. There are so many different kinds of lists, but add tasks when you think of them to your master list or your brain dump list or whatever list you have that, that it fits in, right? This gets that thing, that task, out of your head and can help you stay focused. So that's why I don't like to mix lists because um, they live together really nicely and get categorized and then from there I can fit them in as my day progresses. So this leads into the next common mistake which is not allowing for downtime in your list. As John Lennon famously said, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. It's so important to allow for delays or unexpected surprises, and it's crucial to work rest into your list by not cramming your schedule with busy tasks. I know we all wanna feel more productive, but if you have unexpected extra time, you have your priorities to refer to, right? You've got those other lists you can pull from, and you'll get a boost of those good motivation vibes by getting ahead of the game. Or you can use the extra time to brainstorm with a colleague, work towards a bigger life goal, or just breathe, right? Just take a break. It's a great way to divide your list into must do, if I have the time to do, etc. And you can relieve the pressure of all the things to do at once. We all know how frustrating it can be when a computer crashes or a colleague dumps a urgent task on your list, right? But the fact is, is that those things will happen. So set yourself up for success by cushioning your time so that when, not if, things come up, you can calmly handle them because you've got a plan to get on track. Here's the tip here. Be kind to yourself. Your to-do list should add to your happiness, right? Self-discipline is a crucial part of self-care, but equally as important to maintaining balance is pleasure, relaxation, relationships, hobbies, and creativity. 
don't schedule yourself to death. If something isn't working, change it. These habits are for your well-being, not to make you into a robot. Now the next tip we sort of went over a little bit when we talked about ambiguous tasks, but really making sure that the tasks that you write down are actionable items, but more than that, that they have deadlines, right? That you can take care of them in less than two hours, that they may have a deadline to them. You know, you want this due by Wednesday, whatever it may be. Um, and that when you're given that same task, again, right, a lot of our tasks are repetitive, we know exactly how much time it'll take us. We could look back at our list and, and see that like, oh wow, that thing that I thought was only gonna take me two hours actually turned into a six hour project. Then the next time you know how to break it down easy, more easily and make it more manageable, right? So deadlines are really good here. There's a lot of talk about SMART goals, right? which are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and within a time frame, right? That's the T is the time frame. So when we're talking about deadlines, that's part of the SMART goal measure. So instead of um, doing those big ambiguous tasks, think about specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and within a time frame. And if it doesn't fit that, then it's probably not something that should be on your list or something that needs to be investigated further. Um, so that's a really good tip there. But you know, there are tons and tons of list making gurus and apps out there that promise to make you the superhero of productivity. But the bottom line is that if a certain method doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you, right? That's pretty simple to remember. I almost exclusively use pen and paper. I only use digital organization tools for shared projects with colleagues that are better live online um, and a digital calendar to refer to when I'm on the run. But like I mentioned before, I draw out my calendar every month. So I duplicate some of my efforts because it's what works for me. Some folks prefer to have their tasks in digital format with notifications and bells dinging everywhere. Some prefer post-it notes that are visible at all times to assist them. Whatever tools you have the least resistance to are the ones you'll keep coming back to, right? So for me, I'll set up a digital tool that looks really fancy and shiny. I'll use it a few times and then I totally forget it exists and I found that they just don't work for me. So whatever tools that you find yourself coming back to again and again, those are the tools to really hone in on. So take the science of how your brain works to develop a habit that serves you. That's the whole point of all of this stuff. I'm an organization nut. I love to talk about this stuff. I love to talk about ways to make my organization systems fit the way my brain works. And so I hope you enjoyed that also and found some useful tips. I'd love to hear from you. If you hop over to Facebook, to the Appalachian Overlook podcast page, you'll see there places that you could make comments. I'd love to hear if you have tips that have helped you. I'm always trying to add new things into my routine to see if they help take things out that are no longer serving me. So share there with me and I'd love to hear from you. But thanks for listening to the Appalachian Overlook today on 90.7 WEHC, the voice of Southwest Virginia, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope you'll join me again on the next episode of the Appalachian Overlook. See you next time.